Oh, crikey. I have been writing books for over 30 years now. Wow. Yes, I am. I am that old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And before that, was you a teacher? I was a a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I was a teacher um, of, uh, started out as drama and English. Okay. And in fact, at my first school, that's where I met Steve Barlow, who I write books with. Yeah. And we were, we were teaching drama together. Um, he, he'd actually come on a day supply because my, my colleague in the drama department at the time, I think he hated kids and ran away. <laughs> and, in the wrong um, and then Barlow turns up for a day's, uh, a day supply teaching. And I've, I've not got rid of him since 30 odd years later. So you're classed as the two Steves then? So the two Steves. Yes. Well, that was, that was fortunate that we were both <laughs> called Steve and that, that, that works. So yeah, and and we we sort of clicked and um, started writing together. Um, initially, it, it was a, a a big sort of uh, school and council estate, big council estate in Nottingham uh, called the Clifton Estate, which um, at the time is one of the biggest council estates in Western Europe. And we've got kids who struggled to read, or they didn't like reading, couldn't cope with it. And so with my background, I'd done some some work here with dyslexic kids. And Steve had done, he'd just come back from um, Africa where where he'd been working in Botswana with the British Council. So he'd obviously got that that sort of the TEFL background, teaching English as a foreign language. So getting words over to kids whose first language was not English. So we both had that sort of... You need to you need to make things simple yeah. and exciting to to get through the language to get to these these um, students. So we we started writing uh, plays together. I'd done a little bit of writing for TV and I'd written a book as well. Um, the, the there used to be a big TV station called Central TV in Nottingham, and some of the kids that I I taught they were. They were in um, a program called "Your Mother Wouldn't Like It," which was a bit, a bit like a, a, a kids' sketch show, and not the nine o'clock news. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, cocky man that I was, I, I sort of said, "Well, there's some rubbish jokes in there, and and, and tell your producers that I can write better." And they did. Our teacher says that. So I got, I got this letter, and and it said, "Well, okay, if you can do better, write some jokes." And um, so I wrote one or two jokes that got on the telly, which was great fun. And I used this at a cocktail party <laughs> where this, this guy was looking for, um, he was looking for somebody to write a book on environmental issues. And I said, "Well, I'm a writer. Well, have you written any? I write for TV." <laughs> So, so right, you can write a book for us then. So I, I sort of, um, yeah, yeah, talked my way into it really. And then uh, I wrote a couple of environmental books thirty odd years ago, well ahead of the game. Um, and it was called What a Load of Rubbish. <laughs> and to, to be fair, it was. To be fair, it was a load of rubbish. But it's all about recycling and um, looking at, at green issues, environmental issues, um, you know, before before they became trendy. So what took you from teaching to writing then? What Did you completely leave it or did you do a bit of both to start with where you was teaching and writing? No, did, did, yeah, did did a bit of both. We, we sort of um, started writing uh, together and I, I moved schools back down into Leicester, uh, which is where I was born. Um, and... 
we decided that we because because we wanted to write some plays together and Steve had written um uh, he, he got into a sort of a BBC script writing competition he'd done quite well in that that we said there's not there's there's not the material to get these kids into write uh, reading and writing and you know uh, reading is the the key to anybody's education yeah and literacy and we, we know that you know we're in the business and if kids do not like reading then they are going to be disenfranchised mm. and you know the, the, the i was actually working on another big estate in leicester one of the, a tough one actually and you know the kids there were i could see the way that they would be going off into not not lives of crime, but they were they were sort of on the edge. Yeah. Um, and you were thinking you've you've got to get these kids involved. You've got to get them reading. So it was about producing material that wasn't really around at that time, thirty odd years ago. That what we call now, I suppose, the high low high physical age, low reading age. Yeah. So you're writing you're writing books for kids who are maybe fifteen but you're writing it in language that a seven-year-old could read. And, of course, the books that were out there then, it was it was like, you know, My Little Ponies and things like that for the years. 15-year-olds don't want to read that sort of thing. So you became, um, I suppose, uh, we, we were thinking, well, what do those kids want to read? And let's put it in the language that they can read it. And and it's got to be it's got to be what we call engaging and enthusing. Engage and enthuse the kids, because if they don't want to read a book, they're not going to want to read a bad book, a patronising book. And with you working with that age group, you were first hand experience, I guess, of seeing the struggles. Absolutely. In in fact, some of the the early plays that Steve and I wrote, we um, we got the the, the students to help us. Um, act out and improvise um and and so it was it was coming from them their 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 thoughts their beliefs and what what happened was again we we wrote to uh, oxford university press and said you, you do not publish plays that can be done in 30 minutes in a drama blah 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 and 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 we've done this you know you should listen to us and and they wrote back and said fantastic could you send us could you send us um some of the plays you've written and we went oh because we hadn't <laughs> been a bit clever though haven't you? <laughs> well but why, why why waste time if they didn't want to look at them you know so suddenly we were um we, we were asked to write some plays and at that, that time they, they didn't trust us because we saw nobody's um teachers you know what do they know and they got um a very famous playwright called uh peter Turson who was known for Zigger Zagger at that time that was sort of, you know, trendy and on, online. And they got Peter to, to get all his um, his mates to do a sort of a 30-minute short play, a one-act play um, for, for students. And we got people like Arnold Wesker, uh, Howard Barker, you know, the top, top people. And we're like, oh, and there's Stephen Steve as well. But what they, they did ask us to do was to do all the uh, the backup material. So sort of um, the, the students could could then follow up with drama work or uh, written work, reading work. So all that follow-up drama activities. And we, we ended up doing three, three volumes of those. And 
at this point then we we were suddenly um you know drama experts <laughs> and um and they said well would you would you write some stuff for uh, the oxford english program that we do with a guy called john seeley who who was um very very um influential writer of textbooks and they were doing this big new oxford english program for the new english curriculum and they said, could, could you write some plays and could you become the drama experts? It just shows you, don't it, if you don't ask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you do think, you think, well, what would I have done if I hadn't? <laughs> probably, yeah, nothing. And, and I think there is a bit of chutzpah about it, isn't there? You know, because as a writer, you, you think, well, why would people want to read my stuff? And I think a lot of writers are a little bit insecure. Like. I've noticed this when I'm talking on my podcast. I, it's <laughs> a really running theme that everybody's not sure that what they write, anybody will actually like. It's, it's an insecurity thing, you know. Um, um, and what makes mine better than somebody else's? That, and, and, and I think that's one, one of the reasons that, you know, all prizes in, in, in uh, books and Carnegie's and all that sort of thing is great for publicity, but... How can you really judge one book against another? You know, so, well, I'm a Carnegie winner or I'm this winner and I've won this book. It's like, yeah, but your books are doing something for somebody, where, yeah. as maybe my books are not actually going to win literary prizes because, you know, they're, they're knockabout stuff, they're game books. My purpose is to get kids wanting to read and getting those kids who are disenfranchised and, and not wanting to read to, to get them to read. I think most authors want that, don't they? Especially, obviously, children's authors. There's always, that's the hook, that's the core, that is what it's all about. I, th I think I think certainly certainly middle and younger uh, children's authors, the, I th I'm not sure about YA, to be honest. It's a, it's, it's a new, it, YA didn't really exist. Um, uh, young adult fiction didn't really exist when I started writing you went from kids books to adult books yeah there was no transition no was there? no there was no real transition you know I mean I think my my transition was was starting to read something like uh, Sherlock Holmes you know and, and some more adult and but but I think I think that the YA, YA has developed into somebody called it misery publishing which it's very issue based now, um, which I think you know young young teenagers they they want to do that they want to get you know and, and sort of problems by proxy, isn't it? You know, all that sort of thing. And I, I think that's fine, but I think it, it does appeal to only a certain group of kids. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure that I, as, as an old, old, old man now, I'm not sure I have that um, ability to, to be writing about the issue-based stuff as I used to, because I'm, I'm, you know, Steve and I, we are quite old now. Um, and and possibly don't have the connection of what for that age group they want. Whereas what we are very good at, and I will boast about this, but but we are good at knowing what the younger kid wants and how they want to read it. Um, so when you yeah. say younger kid, what ages are you talking? I would I would say that that I mean my my maximum age group would possibly be twelve year olds. So we 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 tend to write. The five to yeah five to twelve side of yeah. is our constituent audience, but we also get the older kids also like our books because they're nice and thin. And the I Hero, which is a game book series, the the Choose Your Own Adventure, you know that goes down. Adults read that. Just explain that actual format then in the process of that book. 
Okay, so about 2008, we got a little bit of time uh, between two big projects that we were working on and got asked by a publisher, would would you do a game book? And that means a a choose-your-own-adventure. So I remember reading these when I was younger, that it was Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston's, the the, uh, Warlock of, Wizard of Warlock Mountain, Firetop Mountain, something like that. It was huge, absolutely huge. I remember them. And it was based on Dungeons and Dragons. So you have a choice, you know, do you go left, do you go right do you go and kill the dragon do you go and eat the dwarf all those sorts of things you know um it said would you would you do a would you do a um a game board you say too right we would i I love that you know and because we'd done a series called outernet which was the, the, the thing with books and the internet together we we realized you know that that this was interactive that that kids if you can involve them in something and and make choices, but it's also the fundamentals of story. What what is story? Fundamental of story is what happens next. I want to know what happens next. Why do I turn the page? I want to know what happens next. You know, and 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 that it's it goes back to the oral tradition of Thousand and One Arabian Nights. You know, oh, I'll finish the story there. Oh, I need to know what happens. Oh, well, don't kill me then. You know, <laughs> bit harsh. We didn't quite do that. <laughs> But um, it, it's about what happens next. And, and it, it's a, it was originally sort of written for boys, of getting the reluctant boy reader going. Yeah, because historically, boys kind of dropped off, didn't they, we reading from about probably 9, 10. And we found this in libraries, and I guess found it in schools as well. Teachers will probably say the same. And it was trying to get them back into it. And it's how do you how do you keep them going? So not all boys, you know. We, we, and, and there are some girls who don't want to don't want to read. That's for sure. But but the majority uh, tended to be the boys who didn't know. So we we got short sentences, um, short paragraphs, lots of action in there. And we, we picked topics. In fact, originally, these were these topics that we did in the first four were um, English curriculum and, and history topics in Key Stage 2, obviously, because that's the market. So we need, a, we need to sell these as, uh, to a market. And we came up with some ideas and we sent. This is really interesting because we had a, 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 a lad, um, Adrian Cole, at uh, Hachette at the time, and he was the editor who wanted to work on it. And he got us to to write um, something on a space thing, and it was about going getting aliens, and, you know, great. And we we set a little bit of it off. We had to work out how the choice things work because they're a little bit like a computer program. You know, do you go left? Do you go right? If you've died already, so if you make the wrong mistake, yeah, it must be real confusing. Yeah, you've got to make sure what you do actually makes sense in the book must be confusing to actually write we developed a a a a way of doing it it's a little bit like playing a video game you know you get to a certain point and then the the next level happens and that's what happened with um the the writing my hero that we we got to what we call pinch points that you then can't go back on those so everything happens within sort of like a chapter but then you get to a pinch point and then you go on to the next part and the baddies get worse like a video game and that's what they are it's it's a it's a game book a book and it's a game you you, you read the game and we we put this in and the publishers bizarrely said is this what boys want because a lot of publishing is for, for children the, the, the editors and the, and the publishing directors tended to be uh, female 
okay, because it was always considered a sort of a second-class thing, a bit like, I suppose, like, you know, primary teaching. You don't get many males in there. It's, it's like a similar thing, okay? And they realise after Harry Potter now that there's so much money in there, you know, it's like we can make things, and it is a proper thing. So it was it was interesting coming from a, a sort of uh, a, a, an older, older sort of female perspective going, do boys really want this? And then it's like, it's a bit far-fetched. <laughs> what, what do you mean it's far-fetched? I mean, aliens on the moon, what, what's going on? Couldn't they, couldn't they have a problem with the space station? It's got to be mended. Do you use a drill? Do you use a screwdriver? It's like, it, it, no, you're not getting this. We want action. And bizarrely, Doctor Who came back on the screens. And suddenly space was like, wow, aliens! Like, and suddenly this four-book series that, that, we, that we did suddenly became, I think we've written, I don't know, 90, 90 of these game books now. So, so we, we, felt, we felt sort of justified about doing this. But then, then what we had, because, you know, if, if, you, um, if you make a wrong choice, like a video game, you're dead. You go back to the beginning. And, and the Americans didn't want to take this because, again, you killed the child. <laughs> Not really. It's it's and they 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 play video games. They understand this. They're not really dying. And so we had to do something for younger kids. And 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 we would go. Well, what do we do? They wanted they wanted younger ones. We, we can't kill them. So we came up with with a <laughs> a nice little thing that that just at the last minute before they they are defeated by their enemies, they have a magical thing that they sort of go back with a magical amulet and go, return, and they go back to the beginning. So we, we, we sort of got round that a little bit. And, <laughs> but the kids, when you go in and and sort of talk to the kids in school, as, as I do a lot, they, they want to die, these lads. Oh, hooray, we've made the wrong decision. Yeah, I was going to say, they do have a bit of a thirst for that, don't they, and a bit of adventuring. It's, yeah, it's funny. And it's because it's safe. Yeah. It's not real, isn't it? And that's exactly. that's what story is. It's story is about exploring the world and you can make a mistake because it's a book and it's not going to affect you. And and I think sometimes as adults we we can be a little bit protective to people. Um you know, it's not gratuitous that we stuff that we do. Um, and, and we also have a range where the five, six-year-olds can 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 read through to the 11, 12-year-olds. So obviously you're, you're upping the horror, you're upping, upping the um, the sort of the jeopardy and and the the description levels. And we have we have a series of four called I Horror, which is is basically you know you're hunting werewolves, vampires, and all that sort of thing. What's your favourite one to do when you're writing? Have you got a, a favourite type of genre or? Oh, do you happy doing any? Do you like to do the horror, or do you like to do the? No, we 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 we're not <laughs> we're not the great. We, we like we can do a bit of horror, but we don't take it seriously. You know, we've got the werewolf one that he's in, and the guy comes in and going. He's the werewolf's in a restaurant. And the guy comes in with a gun and goes pest control. <laughs> so, so we do have a bit of fun and um, with that. We, but, but one of the things we do, we try and bring comedy in as well. There are there are some really nice. There's fantasy. There's there's space. There's all that sort of thing. Um, but we also the last one was Mega Hero, which was a, a superhero who can change into anything, and that was comedy, um, where you know you get changed into the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> and and but kids like that, don't they? They like they like that the humour, a bit of scary stuff. It gets kids. 
Um, so we haven't got issue-based things with that. It's not YA stuff. Um, and, and I'm not denigrating YA. I think there's some fantastic books out there, but it's not it's not my scene. And I think Steve will probably tell you when you chat to him that it's not not his scene anymore, really. Uh, we've done the issue stuff, been through that, and and seen that kids kids are fairly they know what they like. They know what they like. Do you enjoy going to the schools and doing the visits from being an ex-teacher and going in? Oh, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And Steve, Steve and I were, were interesting about this because about 20, yeah, 30 years ago, you know, school author visits were, hello, I'm an author, sit down and ask me questions. Well, that doesn't work in schools, not the schools that I worked in. And so Steve and I, we started to develop, um, I suppose, a game show where you get the kids involved and you get points out and you'd read part of the books, you'd do a quiz on that and we'd act and we'd dance and we'd get the teachers out and, and <laughs> we don't do that anymore, to be honest, because <laughs> teachers are getting a bit, you can't really do that now, okay. But we got people joining in and acting out. So our drama background came to the fore with that and... I think we we changed. I really do think that we we changed the way that author visits um, were done, and publishers started looking at us and going, "That, that actually, that's quite interesting what they do." Um, and some authors resented us for this a few years ago because, oh, they're the the active ones, you know, they're the active authors. I'm a proper author. I do, you know, and and that was quite an interesting. Um, quite an interesting time where because we did this, were we taken seriously as authors? And I'm I'm not I'm not sure that we ever have been, you know, then we're not the sort who will win the Carnegie, but we do know how to get kids engaged and enthused. To have a fun visit, I mean most authors we see around schools and libraries now, their whole delivery is a performance because it's about creating that enthusiasm and getting them engaged and they get them stood up and do all different things. So that definitely is more of a standard visit, I would say, now to 30 odd years ago. Yeah, the Steve and I started this 20, 20 odd years, 25 years ago. We're very lucky we've travelled the world. And and you know, humour translates across the world. You know, putting a silly hat on, getting kids singing, whatever, translates across the world. And I've been, I've been to, I've been very lucky. We've, we've, we've been to amazing places, China, Africa, um, you know, Asia, South America, Europe. And kids are kids. They laugh at the same things, you know. It's not until we get adult adult responsibilities that our sort of ch- childlike stuff goes. But that's it, it is quite interesting because our shows sometimes infantize the adults as well, you know, with, with game shows and the oohs and the all that nonsense. It's a bit, it's a bit like the old musical stuff, you know, and panto. Yeah, I was going to say it's like Panto, isn't it? Getting that interaction with the audience and the crowd. Yeah, and, and Steve and I were sort of, because we're a pair as well, we, we were known as um, the Morecambe and Wise of kids' literature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose the other thing is Ant and Deck of literature now. We do, now, now I think we're just, I don't know, Burke and Hare of kids' <laughs> literature. We feel that old. <laughs> Have you ever had any... Um, Obviously, you're doing these visits and you always do a Q&A with the kids. Have you have, ever had or can you remember one of the funniest questions that you've ever been asked at a school or 
Or have you got an incident or something that really sticks in your mind where you remember that place, it was a magical experience? It really oh, the, the, the most, most school visits are, most school visits. You, you also have the funny incidents as well, you know, where the kid throws up in front of you and you go, <laughs> well, everybody's a critic. So, so things like that do stick out, but there are some really lovely stories that come out. And I think it's, it's the afterwards where you get the, um, the mum writing to you saying, you know, I have a kid who's got ADH and, and he's never picked a book up and he came home with a book and sat with it for 20 minutes and I've never oh. seen this. And I'm in tears and I'm like, oh, so am I now. And, and some of the stuff you read, it does well you up. And, you know, this is why. And, and I, I had um, at, at my old house, we, we moved just before COVID. On my wall, I had a, an email from, from a, a, a mum and it said about how how her child had never done anything, but this this actually made them want to read. And you know, thank you. I cannot thank you enough and all that. And I just I, I had this up and I, I just put on the top of it, this is why you do what you do. Yeah. When you're having that bad day, thinking, oh God, what am I doing? Another publisher's told me I'm rubbish or whatever, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, I've I've not got uh whatever. And um, you just look up and see that, and you go, "Actually, yeah." And and you know that's we all leave a, a little stain on the universe, as um, as it Samuel Beckett said, leaving a stain on history. And um, <laughs> you know that's that's my little stain, I think. Um, and it any, continues. We we've um, any future projects? I'm going. Well, to yeah, say. we've we yeah. just we've just been working on um, bringing Shakespeare alive because I mean Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare. Steve loves Shakespeare. Uh, yes, you'd mentioned this to me before. Yeah. So just before COVID, we were asked, would we would we help um, create a series of um, Shakespeare graphics? Well, I love I love graphic novels. I mean, you know, I, I just absorb graphic novels i love them i love the the storytelling potential in a graphic and and of course a graphic is is great for the kid who doesn't really want to read well yeah you know you don't need to spend a thousand words describing the scene because the scene's there it's it's there for you um and you know some some of the graphic novelists are just stunning and sacco uh mouse with art spiegel and I, I love alan moore's stuff you know i really really love alan moore um, and so when we were asked, would you do a graphic novel? We're like, gee, we so well. And so we had to take each Shakespeare play, and this is for sort of foreign market and, and dyslexia kids, as dyslexic kids. Um, so we had to bring each Shakespeare play, and we've done six of them, into I think it's something like 43 double-page spreads, of which you can have a maximum of 10 pictures on a spread. And you've got to tell the Shakespeare story, get through the language. So oh, that's a challenge. Oh, it, 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 but wow, it was fun. I really, really loved it. And then working with some, some artists um, to bring these alive. So it's, it's trying to bring these alive. And, and I've got to say, I'll, I'll just, they look oh, just really, really great. The artists have been fabulous on them, yeah. but it's been, it's been tough work. I mean, we, it's taken us two years all the, all the way through COVID to get these done because you have to then you, you synthesize the play and then you're saying, right, which acts and which scenes you need. And then you've got to synthesize the language and then you have to put it into a spread and produce a comic book spread that sometimes the artist doesn't 
read properly and so you get the first one going back the proofs it's like well why have you done that and what we have done with it as well which is quite an interesting thing we've we've gone colorblind casting so we've done the bridgerton approach yeah so we have lady macbeth is um afro-caribbean right and i'm so waiting for people to come back to me and go lady macbeth was not black yeah Lady Macbeth was not a real character. Yeah, so it could be whatever we <laughs> whatever want, want to do. But but if you are trying to get kids interested, you know, across the world, they have to see themselves in a play. Of course, yeah. You, you, you know, it, you don't want just all white characters in a in 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 a Shakespeare play, or you know, so it's it, not it, real life. So the they, they don't relate. Then it's relate not real life. Yeah. So we've we've got um, in Hamlet, for instance, we've got um, uh, Polonius, Laertes, Ophelia. Um, they're Chinese. Uh, Romeo is is some Asian characteristics in there. So we've we've just we've just thrown it in, and it doesn't matter. You know, they are characters, and and that's going to be really interesting to see what people's response? reactions because. Yeah. It's it's not gone out yet to critics. Uh, they're only just being published. So oh, right. they, they come out, um, advanced copies come out, I think next month, end of next month, June. Right. Beginning of June. So I am going to be really fascinated about how people respond to them. I always ask on this podcast, what tips have you got for people heading into this career now that you've quite way into your career and you look back and think, oh, I wish I'd known that at the start. <laughs> I wish I'd known that. So. Oh, dear, how long have we got? <laughs> I wish I'd known that. I think so, sometimes I wish I'd been a little bit more assertive and and uh, saying, no, my, my idea is right here. I remember being told in 2010, superheroes were past. Superheroes are finished. And I went, oh, all right then stupid um because i think i think sometimes people do live in their ivory towers and don't really get to know what's going on in the in in what i'd say not real schools but i'd say schools that are for the majority of people in 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 this country you know they're not necessarily leafy suburbs they're not private schools public schools those kids are a success already um so it was about producing material, I think, to to sort of help equalise things a little bit, and and give them topics and subjects that that they want to do. So I would say that you have to know your audience. That's that to me is the biggest tip about the sort of writing that I do. And it's look. A lot of it is look that you just happen to, you know, meet that person in the cocktail party who's looking for a book. And you say, "Well, I'm a writer." You know, it, it, who, who, if that hadn't have happened, what would I be doing? If if my my companion had not run away from school, Barlow wouldn't have arrived for a day's um, supply, and and we wouldn't have written. You know, so there is a bit of sliding doors and you know serendipity about things, and you, you have to work hard. I mean, you know that that is, I would say, for a lot of people about writing what do you need to be a writer and i say to kids um you need a pot of glue why to stick your bottom to the chair 
<laughs> to make you, you continue writing and things. And that was the reason that I'd, I'd started um, teaching and, and started writing and then went half time because I just hadn't got, I hadn't got the time to, to do everything, um, yeah. you know, and, and writing at sort of two and three in the morning is, is probably not great for, for, for writing funny things. <laughs> and, and that with writing with somebody else that helps you with that discipline as well, because you're, you're not wanting to let them down and you've got those deadlines that you need to get in. Um, and I say, I say it's, it's a little bit like, like kids getting your homework in on time. Yeah. Um, and you know, I've I've heard some horror stories about authors who don't get things in on time. I mean, Douglas Adams was the famous one, wasn't he? He says, "I love the sound of a deadline, the little squeal it, it, it goes as it goes by," and he had to be locked in his room to to write. <laughs> um, and I, I and I get I get authors who who say you know writer's block and stuff like that. I get get all that, but. At the end of the day, it's, it's it's a job and it's a very privileged job that uh, that I've been lucky enough to do, um, and and you know share my thoughts and ideas with kids and and say yeah well actually I do know what I'm talking about and you have to have a bit I suppose a little bit of an ego to to have that security that 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 what I'm doing is right because if you if you think it's rubbish all the time then you're never going to put pen to paper because you're going to be scared about that um and, and that's where Steve and I were, were very good at backing each other up and then there'd, there'd be two of us and one editor so you know you can play the nice and oh well I'd, I'd love to do it like this but the other Steve you know yeah. oh don't 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 get him started 